Welcome to the Molecular Moments Podcast. In today's episode, we sat down with our guest, Dr. David Johnson from Bioagilytics San Diego. Welcome to the podcast, David. Good to have you here. Delighted to speak with you today. Looking forward to learning about you, your career, small molecule, bioanalytics, something that we don't talk a lot about at Bioagilytics until recently as we acquired a new company. So give us a quick overview of your career, how you came to the uh, small molecule bioanalytical space and DMPK space. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me here. Uh, this sounds like such a fun way to uh, get to know scientists at Bioagilytics, and I'm glad to participate. So how did I get into science? That's pretty fun. When I was a kid, I would start uh, memorizing the ingredients on uh, cereal boxes, and then I would start describing what these ingredients were to my family members. I think uh, it became apparent early on that I had an interest in science, and um, that certainly played through. I, I actually was going to become a medical doctor, and uh, I signed my early artwork as Dr. J. Uh, it's ironic that nowadays that's a nickname that we have at my work because there were 25% Davids at the company at the time I joined. But uh, carrying on through high school, it became apparent that I was more inclined to do scientific uh, research as opposed to medical research. And so I uh, went uh, towards uh, chemistry, and uh, this became really prevalent in college. Somehow my brain was able to work with organic chemistry. People still are befuddled at how how that even is possible, but uh, it worked <laughs> worked really well. So I, that got me into uh, the, the science field and, and in the small molecule space where I'm at right now. And in, in addition to that, I uh, became very interested in uh, biochemistry. For uh, some reason, it really excited me to memorize all those biochemical pathways uh, with um, enzymes and et cetera in our, uh, in our body. And I became so fascinated with how complicated it was. There's so many enzymes, uh, even experts are befuddled at uh, how all of these uh, work together and how uh, dysfunction in these enzymes uh, and receptors are what cause disease. And uh, the more we learn about these enzymes and receptors and how they're, how they're broken and how we can fix them, that's where uh, my interest in the uh, field of uh, pharmacology and, and pharmaceutics really became apparent. And uh, that's the kind of the early s s buildings and beginnings of how I got into the, the field where I'm at right now. Then uh, I, I decided to uh, join a company called Hybertech early on. Uh, it's one of the first uh, companies in uh, the San Diego area, and uh, they were involved with uh, doing diagnostic testing. And I, I got to work with... Uh, uh, radioisotopes, uh, do some biochemistry, some robotics, learn how all these different sciences can come together in the pharmaceutical industry. And that was oh, particularly exciting because I got to marry my fascination with technology, my chemistry, biochemistry. It all came together, all of it science, all of it different, but all of it to fill a purpose of how are we going to help people? And that 
also is super interesting to me. So it got me into graduate school because I liked it so much, I wanted to do more. <laughs> so I went to Minnesota and uh, got my PhD in uh, chemistry. And um, after that, I, I fell into a job doing drug metabolism in the pharmaceutical industry. And uh, I've been hooked ever since. So that was a while ago, and uh, I've been fortunate to be able to really expand on that knowledge, grow in my uh, career and my ability to help other pharmaceutical programs get to market so that we can help uh, lots of people get past these uh, uh, diseases, uh, deal with them, and uh, help them get a better quality of life. Really is kind of the end game and um, gives a, a, a very nice flourish onto the whole idea of being in chemistry and science, get to use that at interest to, to help people. So very fascinating. And hopefully that gives you a small flavor of what actually got me into science, why I love it, crazy about it, and uh, want to keep doing more and more of it. No, that's great. And uh, what an amazing way to get started. I, I feel like I wouldn't be doing my hosting duties properly if I if I didn't ask what's the first cereal that you recall reading the ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would I would guess that it probably was Frosted Flakes. All right. Okay. I They're like that. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> if that Perfect. doesn't date me, I don't know what does. <laughs> no, it's it's funny, right? And it, you think about it, uh, I, hopefully there weren't too many small molecules in the frosted flakes. Probably not, not a lot there of There were a lot of polymers. I, uh, yeah. uh, you, <laughs> there are xanthan gum, you know, there, there's all sorts of stuff that were uh, in there. And uh, so I, I was happy to explain, oh, what these things are to my family. And uh, they shook their head, but, you know, you, you, you deal with it. <laughs> They just found out, oh, that's David. <laughs> that's great. You know, and I, I wonder how many scientists have, let's say, at least a similar kind of origin story here, not so much around reading cereal boxes, but um, some sort of fascination that caught their attention when they were young. And, and they continued to pull on that thread a little bit to eventually become a career. And I often find a lot of people in science um, have had some sort of early experience, whatever it is that triggered that, and they followed on it. And they're so happy to do it because they've been passionate about it for almost their entire life. It's kind of great to see people that uh, turn their passions into their careers. So great to hear that story. So you're based in our San Diego facility, as I suggested. Uh, Bioagelytics San Diego is, is new to the family. Formerly, microconstants acquired in summer of 2021, uh, which really opened the door to small molecule support. Not something that Bioagelytics had a lot of experience in previously, really focused on large molecules. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about working in the small molecule space, the type of work that you enjoy doing there and, and maybe some of the particularly interesting drugs you've supported. Absolutely. Small molecules, for people who might not be aware, are like acetaminophen, ibuprofen. Uh, many of the uh, drugs that basically built the pharmaceutical industry uh, back in the uh, the mid to late 1800s, these companies that we know nowadays as Merck, Pfizer, Bayer, 
they were formed based on uh, preparing and uh, distributing these small molecules that found a good market. Uh, a lot of people did not want headaches anymore, and they thought, <laughs> take a little pill, uh, don't have a headache as much anymore. And uh, it grew and expanded on that, and that's the space where we are helping. We've uh, addressed uh, a central nervous system disease, oncology, antiviral, antibiotics. All of these different indications have been addressed by small molecule programs we've helped at the San Diego site. And um, my specific role has been uh, a little bit early in the phase where we are testing uh, the compounds in animals. Even before animals, we do a lot of in vitro assays here. And uh, we're investigating, does this molecule have good drug-like properties? Is it going to make a, the good next aspirin, which itself is actually not that great of a drug, uh, but uh, it, it probably wouldn't make it onto the market nowadays because it has so many uh, off-target effects that <laughs> we take advantage of. But uh, it's still a good drug, and uh, we're, we're looking to find drugs that behave in such a way that we'll be able to take one pill a day and... Um, we are uh, feeling good and it stays in the system the right amount of time, is not toxic. All of these types of general characteristics are what we investigate at uh, the San Diego site. And uh, we help our sponsors uh, make those decisions to see which candidates might want to move into the next phase where we're going to be testing them uh, for safety. Uh, these would be in uh, standard animals such as rats and dogs. and um, after uh, they've been proven to be uh, safe enough for the animal studies, then we get to go into the clinic. And um, I do a little bit of work on that in, in my uh, department, the DMPK group, but it's not so much. At that point, it's the handoff to the regulated industry. So we, we all work together in uh, different parts of the drug development program. And uh, the end goal is to get it uh, far enough along so that we're able to do the regulatory filings and uh, get this uh, medicine onto the market. Yeah, you know, a, a couple of interesting points there. I think some things that people don't often think about and, and aspirin or ibuprofen, great examples of things that people just take, right? I mean, they're, they're accustomed to it. It's so widely available, so well-defined, used so frequently. All of these things have toxic effects, right? It's all about getting to the right dose. And that's an interesting part of your job and part of the role of people really that we all do in the pharmaceutical industry. We can make a lot of things and they can treat a lot of things, but finding the right amount to give to people to get just that right effect, just enough to get the intended effect without getting the unintended effects is a big part of what we all do, right? Absolutely. And um, it's a super important we do that at our uh, site in San Diego. It's called Pharmacokinetics. We're measuring drug concentrations in uh, plasma samples so that those drug concentrations can be co correlated with clinical effects. They can uh, then decide, well, at this concentration, we're able to see a clinical effect. And then uh, at a much higher concentration or or maybe even a slightly higher concentration, then we start seeing bad effects, the, the ones, the effects we don't want. 
And uh, as you alluded to, Jim, uh, those would be the toxicities. And we want to really hone in on what dose levels and amounts of these compounds uh, will make for a good drug as opposed to a toxin. Uh, We want to make drugs, not toxins. And as uh, early toxicologists uh, are saying, uh, it's it's all about the dose. Yeah, the, the old quote, the dose makes the poison or the dose makes the toxin uh, is really true of almost everything that we put into our bodies, quite honestly, and something yeah. that we're accustomed to in the pharmaceutical industry and not just a small <laughs> molecule property either. Yeah, if you uh, drink too much water, it will kill you. It will yeah. imbalance your salts and you will die. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you, The other interesting part of that is, is a concept that a lot of us that play around in this space certainly get. And we're getting a bit of a crash course globally around this, thanks to the pandemic and some other things that have happened. These things are not just defined by one factor, right? It's about getting the dose to the right level and then combining it with an entire data set of other things that are being monitored, right? So if you're looking at pharmacokinetics, you're also tying that data into a much larger package of safety evaluations, perhaps biomarker evaluations to see the actual effect of things. It's not just one piece of data that decides anything, right? It's, it's really an entire package of information. Is a huge package of information. Uh, most right. people are <laughs> most people are lucky enough to never see a regulatory submission for a pharmaceutical or a biopharmaceutical. Uh, how many boxes do those come in? <laughs> so, right. uh, it's a lot of boxes, and so uh, the role that I play in um, in that box is small. There's a lot of hands that go into generating the data that is reviewed by the FDA or any other regulatory agency as they considered the basic question, is this compound uh, safe enough to justify the risk of taking it? And that's where we're trying to uh, get the compounds to the point where those decisions can't be made. And um, to your point, it, it is quite a task to collect all the data and uh, I'm happy to be a part of it uh, in any way. And uh, it's actually nice that we're part of bioagilytics now. We're able to address uh, a larger part of the whole data collection package than, uh, than we were before. Uh, so that makes it uh, even more gratifying to be a part of this because we, we can address more of the regulatory space, more of the science space. It's a lot of opportunity for us to help more uh, programs get further and further into the market. Yeah, I agreed. Um, the instant that we made public the announcement of the acquisition of microcontent Bioagenetics San Diego, I went on an internal team call with our team and said, look, at, at the most basic level, we say no a lot less now. There are a lot more things that we can do and combined, uh, there's an amazing potential to impact an even larger part of the industry, which is for those of us that want to have positive effects on patient outcomes, it's a huge advantage and, and more things that we get to work on. And I think also uh, incredibly interesting for curious scientists to just do something and think about something differently than they've done before. It's, a, it's an awesome opportunity. Oh, it is. So much of what I have learned as a small molecule uh, drug developer is applicable towards the larger molecules such as peptides. 
And then uh, the modalities are just growing. Those peptides are getting conjugated to larger molecules, like monoclonals. Monoclonals are getting conjugated to oligos. The types of drugs that are being called drugs are getting more complex, more sophisticated, and the skills that we uh, have learned in uh, both small molecule and large molecule are starting to get married. Uh, they're blending. It's getting harder and harder to tell the difference and uh, the, the need to know both types of uh, workflows, the small molecule and the large molecule, is more apparent now than ever. If you just look at the, the new drugs that are coming out and uh, the type of science that's being developed to address the needs of those new drugs, uh, it's fun, interesting, and a, a great reason for a uh, large and small molecule to be together in one company. Yeah, uh, I guess if we'll, we'll continue the food taglines and it's uh, two great tastes that go great together. Uh, oh, of, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, and that's, that's very true. The, the drug modalities are becoming more complex. So we're leveraging more tools. Things that you originally thought of as being small molecule are now used across areas. Large molecule tools are being used in the small molecule space. Platforms that haven't previously been used for this are being leveraged. It's it's really an amazing time in the bioanalysis space to to really think through how we're going to characterize all these new uh, slightly crazy drugs that people are building for sure. Let's come back to something because I do want to talk about LCMS use for large molecule and some of that just briefly. But but before we move off of some of the exclusive small molecule space, you made an interesting comment about the the aspirin and maybe something that wouldn't get approved today. And and I'd like to get your perspective on this of how you've seen the industry change over time as far as the the level of detail and rigor of getting drugs approved now. From the earliest days when you got into it, maybe into now, how do you see the shift in the industry? Uh, it's a total shift. If you look at the number of SOPs that we had when I started at um, the San Diego site uh, for 21 years ago, it would fit into just a couple binders. The number of SOPs now, uh, we don't even put it into a couple binders, lots of binders. Uh, and we've done this uh, for a few reasons. One is because uh, regulatory requirements have grown and grown as uh, we have learned what makes for a good drug, what uh, allows a drug to be safely taken by a person in combination with many other drugs. Uh, polypharmacy is uh, huge nowadays. We, we have a large number of people who are on multiple medications for completely different indications. And we as a collective science team have uh, found out that there are things we can do that make it safe for people to take all these medications. One of my tasks as a drug metabolism scientist is to study the enzymes that are responsible for metabolizing these drugs and um, determine uh, which of them can be taken together. If, if they're metabolized by the same enzyme, then uh, one, one uh, drug may be made unsafe by combining it with another drug. So that science uh, has guided regulations. Uh, regulations have become more rigorous, uh, and this is across the whole world. Uh, as, and in response, uh, the data we put into the packages have become extremely, 
extended and expanded in ways we couldn't have imagined uh, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, so this is to make it safer for all these medications to come to the market when you're taking that medication, that pill or that IV, the clinician, the pharmacist needs to know information that will allow them to give it to you and say, hey, this is going to be safe for you. You are not going to go into convulsions and die or something. We <laughs> are taking this medication. And uh, that desire to make it safe is the reason why the regulatory burden has greatly expanded. Yeah, you hear it all the time, right? You hear these ads for new pharmaceuticals on on television and somewhere in the disclaimer lines, you get the, uh, you know, if you're taking X drug, please notify your physician before taking this new drug that they're trying to advertise. And it's really that interaction and thinking about that many people, as you said, are on multiple drugs at the same time and how do they all play off of each other? Uh, An incredibly important part of what you do and uh, the type of work uh, that really gets analyzed because drug-drug interactions are a big part of the small molecule space, a little less so in the large molecule space, although we're starting to see some of that for sure, but um, a big part of the small molecule space. Yeah, it, it's a very large part. Uh, all your drugs that you consume, uh, you don't want to stay in your body, and your body doesn't want them to stay in there either. You've uh, developed a lot of uh, clearance mechanisms for removing these foreign drugs from foreign compounds from your body. And uh, those processes uh, can be inhibited. They can be affected. And uh, that's what causes the changes to the drug concentrations that would then make a drug rise up to the point where it could be toxic or fall to the point where it stops working properly. Finding that right balance, right? That's the important part of, of really what we're all doing in this. So let's move on. You started to to touch on some of the newer drugs that are combining things like large molecules and small molecules. One of the big examples really is antibody drug conjugates, ADCs, something we think about where monoclonal antibodies, so a large molecule protein-based therapeutic is used for targeting purposes. I mean, essentially to get the drug to the right cell or the right tissue. And then it carries a payload that's often one of the small molecule compounds intended to kill or have an impact on the cells there. So brings together the best of both worlds, right? The, the characterization of small molecules, the characterization of a large molecule, and then that combo molecule, something that we're all very interested in. We're taking on some of our first projects here. How does that space look to you from the small molecule side of the fence? It's exciting. It as you said, is quite the marriage between uh, all the small molecule science plus uh, ligand binding assay science. Both approaches are needed to address the needs for developing these types of uh, antibody drug conjugates. We are looking at the load of the uh, small molecule payload onto the antibodies, and uh, there can be multiple small molecules attached to these antibodies. So we're looking at uh, the release of those small molecules from the antibody, hopefully by a proteolytic enzyme that is unique to a certain cancer. This is the silver bullet technology. Uh, We're trying to take what is not a drug, it's a poison. 
It is uh, being targeted at very specific cells. And the reason is because oncology before is uh, a lot of people know that uh, if you go and get uh, chemo, uh, your hair falls out, uh, you get violently ill and sick, throw up. It's extremely unpleasant to get traditional chemo because those drugs kill your healthy cells in addition to the cells you want to kill. ADCs, antibody drug conjugates, are trying to get that poison to very specific unhealthy tissue. And um, the small molecule space, we're, we're targeting the drug metabolism of those small molecules, the release of those molecules, and that is combined with the overall ligand binding assays that are designed to, to see if the antibody is still in, in the body. And the science has become even more sophisticated because now we're learning that um, some of these antibody drug conjugates can be slightly metabolized to the point where they're less effective, but the ligand binding assay may not be able to tell the difference between the metabolic uh, products and the original compound. Uh, So to your earlier point, you're wanting to know about how LCMS can uh, address this space. Well, we're now getting uh, sophisticated enough equipment so that we can look at the intact antibody drug conjugate. And uh, we're able to tell the difference between small changes in this uh, antibody drug conjugate so we can tell when it's metabolized and we can track it more accurately than some ligand binding assays that might not be specific enough. And this is the growth of the industry. Our, our equipment is getting more and more sophisticated and uh, giving us the tools that we need to uh, help our, our sponsors with uh, decisions regarding stability of their compound, release of, of payload. And um, those bits of data are useful for the decision making that goes into the design of safety studies, design of clinical trials. And uh, we're leveraging the technology and all the past science so that we can keep growing and directing and uh, these uh, programs into the future. Uh, and that is the exciting part of uh, seeing these small molecule, large molecule science teams being able to come together at Bioagilytics because collectively we know a lot more about how to deal with these new types of molecules because all of us have different tools to bring to the table. And uh, we, when we talk about uh, certain problems that programs are having, now all of us can collectively decide on some uh, plan and uh, some research that can be done to help clarify, well, why are we observing this when we should be observing that? Uh, We have more investigative tools and more people able to address those uh, questions that might not have been as addressable before. Yeah, I completely agree. I think you know, we have a, a larger pool of scientists now, all with maybe slightly different backgrounds, but good scientists. And I think in general, good scientists are problem solvers. So when you look at a situation, it's simply a matter of figuring out what's the right next question to ask and then get the right tool off the shelf to use to ask that question. And luckily, we have great teams, both the San Diego team and all the legacy bioagilytics teams also to pull on. It is kind of interesting that in the ADC space, we're also looking at an extension of what we were discussing earlier about getting the dose right. 
you know, instead of the blunt force chemotherapy approach, really being precise about getting the least amount of drug necessary to kill a cell to the right place so that we don't have to poison the rest of the body with it. And it's a great tool that we're seeing become more and more uh, dominant. Let's talk a little bit about some of the large molecule LCMS uses. And it's, it's something that's new to San Diego, new to overall bioagilytics and part of the expansion there. How do you see those changes in the San Diego site coming? And where do you see that taking the San Diego site to? Uh, that is going to be very exciting because uh, the main tool we use to do large molecule LCMS is uh, going to be our Explorus 240 Orbitrap. It is a uh, purpose built to be able to handle both small and large molecules. And uh, we are uh, using this technology to look at uh, both modalities. Um, we're gonna be able to do LCMS for these uh, oligos, uh, antibodies, antibodies connected to oligos, antibodies connected to small molecules. <laughs> so <laughs> we're, we're uh, going to be able to mix and match the modalities with this piece of equipment and uh, be able to address a, a, a chemical space that was just not addressable before. Not at the San Diego site anyways. Uh, uh, Orbi traps have been around for a while, uh, so I don't want to imply that uh, this, this sure. ability has not existed before. <laughs> yeah, right, right. No, it's just an expansion of your services there. Yes. And um, so we see it uh, as very exciting because uh, at a time when we're getting um, uh, the support to get this new piece of equipment, the people to run it, we are uh, talking with clients that have a strong interest in using this technology because uh, getting the, the equipment and the people to run it is, is not easy. So it often is uh, much better to go to someone who is able to help with a specific problem as opposed to invest in that infrastructure yourself. So we are positioning ourselves to be able to help people who do have those specific problems. And uh, very excited, as as you pointed out, we're, we're going to be able to address a large number of programs that have very creative mix and matches between large and small molecules. It is stunning to see how we're being able to address um, targeting of drugs to very specific tissues by using our chemical knowledge and our biochemical knowledge. We're on the cusp of, uh, I guess, the next revolution of drug design, where it, it's not small molecules as much. Many of those uh, small molecules have gone towards what are called primary care uh, programs and the space like uh, statins. Uh, th those are mostly off patent now. There's not a lot of commercial incentive to go after those kinds of primary care markets uh, because we, we have the drugs. We've, we've done what we're supposed to do. We have the market exclusivity to the point where uh, it is now um, off uh, exclusivity and we're able to use that molecule as its intended purpose. It's a general use medicine now. So we're getting more creative. These other modalities are much more targeted towards very difficult to treat diseases. And uh, we're 
needing to have this science to do both small and large molecule uh, LCMS to help those programs get the medicine to very targeted proteins or areas of the body uh, that were previously undressable, unaddressable by small molecules. And uh, that, as, as you alluded to, is, is a real exciting next, uh, next step for what we're able to do. So what's the, I don't know, craziest molecule, new molecule, new modality that you've seen? Oh, uh, we have uh, lots of polymers. Believe it or not, antibodies are not a crazy modality. We, we uh, can address antibodies very well. But there's are some polymers that are designed to extend the uh, pharmacokinetics of a drug, uh, basically put a shield around a small molecule that allows it to be released. It's a time-release capsule. And they're dosing this instead of the small molecule itself. And then as your body digests this very large, complicated polymer, the small molecule gets released a little bit over time. And you don't overload your system with this compound, which may have toxic effects. Very creative, extremely difficult to look at analytically. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that would probably be the craziest one is massive polymers connected to a bunch of small molecules. No, that's great. Um, So it's exciting to know that, uh, well, the folks out there and your team especially are really interested in, in playing with these new crazy molecules, the new modalities, continuing to grow and gain experience out there in new branches, and then also all of us getting better at bioagiletics as a whole by leveraging each other's scientific experience. I really want to thank you for taking the time to be part of the podcast today, David. I'm glad that you uh, sort of raised the Dr. J thing right out of the gate, uh, because I thought you <laughs> sure that one of the interesting things. Uh, it, it's always kind of funny. It jumps out at me. There are a lot of Davids in San Diego. So I do love the fact that you came with a built-in nickname, but you had it before you even got there, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, that, it was just a signature because I, I love uh, art. And so I would uh, sign it to paintings and drawings that I did as a kid. Um, it was just ironic. It wasn't because there's was a lot of David Johnsons at the time. It just seemed to like make a cool signature at the point. And then uh, it was super funny that it ended up becoming a nickname early on at the San Diego site because of uh, the lots of Davids. And when I was in graduate school in Minnesota, there was a small section of the uh, phone book that was dedicated to David Johnsons. So... Um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> yeah it is a common name but it's what i got i i like it well it's it's great it definitely sticks it immediately caught on with the rest of your colleagues here and uh, it's uh it goes hand in hand i think with the very kind and generous nature you've had of teaching and speaking with all of us uh, it's been a great collaboration over these past six or nine months to be part of the same team. Really enjoyed speaking with you today. Thanks so much for taking the time. And uh, hopefully we'll do this again. We'll follow up maybe uh, somewhere down the road with another podcast on some other areas of interest for you. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. And I do look forward to the next time. 
The Molecular Moments podcast sponsored by Bioagilytics is an ongoing conversation about the various nuances of drug development and bioanalysis. In each episode, we sit down with a different industry leader to explore their area of expertise, the industry as a whole, and the mentors who helped them become the scientists they are today. It's a podcast for scientists, by scientists. Listen and subscribe to Molecular Moments today on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you choose to listen. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Molecular Moments podcast. 